Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to this episode of Growth Marketing Today. Today, I have somebody special. It's not really more in growth, but I feel like it's such an important part of growth. I have Rob Mann. He's a UX copywriter at Manulife. He's worked with brands such as Uber, Twitter, Toyota, BMW, and more. In this episode, you're going to learn the process to writing remarkable content and copy using the UX design process and his top tips if you want to get good at writing copy. For me, as a growth marketer, copy is such an important skill, especially when it comes to growth, because it's so easy to make changes to it, to do experiments on copy. And it has such big impact in terms of conversion rates and revenue and other things like that. So if you want to get high-level outline from this episode, you want to go to growthmarketing.today forward slash 028. Once again, I'm doing live podcast recording now for uh, like just the past few weeks. You get to listen in on podcast episodes live while I'm recording it. You get to ask questions to people that I have on the show. I have people like the VP of Growth at Spotify, CEO Mixergy, and other top growth people in the industry coming on next. You don't want to miss that. Uh, you want to check it out at growthmarketing.today forward slash live. I don't want to hold you back anymore. Here is my chat with Rob. Hey, everybody. I have here Rob. Rob, all the way here in Toronto, uh, working <laughs> at Manulife as a UX writer. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing well, man. It's, it's good to chat and good to go through this. I'm pretty excited to talk to you about copywriting. I think it's such an important skill to have as, as a growth marketer and mm-hmm. even as a marketer, something that a lot of people look for. And uh, before we talk about like you've worked with pretty cool brands with, with Uber and Budweiser and BMW and now you're doing it for Manulife and yeah. you're doing it for like other cool companies, right? Yeah. Um, before we talk about all of that cool stuff, I love asking how you got to where you are. Like it's, yeah. uh, it's fascinating to hear people's path and, and story. For sure. So I got into advertising kind of as a fluke. I don't know, I'd tell some people the story, but so I got into copywriting. It was a one-year grad program at that Humber College here in Toronto offers. And I took it because it was the only one-year advertising program. It was 2009 when I was graduating. I was entering the horrible work market where there's nothing out there. So I didn't, I loved advertising, but I didn't want to commit to more than one year of school. So it being the only single year grad program, it's kind of what led me into copywriting specifically. Nice. So it was absolutely a fluke. I mean, I knew what I was getting into, so I wasn't against it, but it was just, you know, by sheer laziness of my point. Of <laughs> but anyway, so from there, I finished that up, moved out to Newfoundland to work at an agency called Target Marketing. Um, they do tons of amazing work for companies like Newfoundland Tourism and Maple Leaf Foods, and Dalhousie University, nice. and all kinds of amazing companies, mostly focused on the east coast of Canada. From there, I moved back to Toronto, worked for an agency called Tag, where we worked on stuff with BMW and a bunch of other great companies. And then I went to Quest Trade, which is a stock trading tech company. And then here I am. Well, then I went to Crew and yeah, Unsplash. Crew, right, and Unsplash. then here, yeah. It's huge. It's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's Splash thing. You also did a few freelancing stuff for yeah. Uber and Toronto Tourism. Is that part of your... Yeah, that's just kind of throughout the... I've always been a bit of a, bit of a workhorse in love. <laughs> oh, and I, I've always found like... I really love the in-house side of copywriting versus agency side. Mm. When you can kind of be more selective and put more thought into everything you're doing. But with that, I've always taken on side projects with companies and brands that I really admire and love. So that, you know, you're flexing different muscles and you're trying new things rather than getting into the same routine. And I find that freelancing always kind of keeps you sharp and prevents you from uh, getting complacent. Nice. Yeah. 
you said that you got into this by by fluke. Did, yeah. you, did you study writing or I studied communications? Okay, so you did it, a lot of writing for that, or was absolutely, it? yeah. Okay. That was like the whole degree, pretty much, was that. And uh, in my fourth semester, one of my professors was like, "I think you'd really love advertising. You should try out the Toronto Toronto Ad Week has a student competition." And so she recommended that myself and four of my of my peers kind of create a team and join up and sign that. And then we did really well. We came second place or third place, third place in that one. And then second place in another student ad competition that year. So it was really just like through recommendations from her that mm. myself and I think actually three of the other four people are all working in advertising or marketing industries now. So that one project that she assigned us or recommended that we take extracurricular really nice. kind of kicked ass for all of us. Yeah, that's cool. It's really that one person that kind of steered you towards this whole field. What does your process look like when you're like, you know, here's a project you need to right. write some copy that will get people to buy stuff or to sign up for something. What does your process look like? Uh, I mean, as far as where I've been for the last couple of years, it's not as much get people to buy this thing as much as it's educate that person on whatever the area is or the subject is and just kind of empower them to do their own thing. Mm. Uh, and I'm a big believer that as a content creator or whatever you want to call it, if you educate people and make mm. them feel confident, then they're going to trust the brand that gave right. them that that power. You know, So I think that's kind of the play that I it's not selling, go it's towards. It's not selling, it's yeah, educating. It's like, exactly. And I mean, I think whether you're a designer, or developer, or copywriter, or whatever, that should be your, your goal really is, is help people help themselves. And then when the time comes, they're going to be like, well, that's the company that helped me. So I'm going to go to them for whatever it is I need. Yeah, I think that's really the, the play. But as far as process goes, asking a million questions, annoying the hell out of everybody um, <laughs> by asking why far too many times okay. and just trying to figure out what the actual problem is. I think it's the same for design. A big part of that is getting to the root of the problem. And you can't solve a problem if you don't understand what the problem is. And I think that's a huge issue in marketing in general is you're trying to solve a problem that isn't there. Or you're making huge assumptions about what the problem really is when it's something completely different or something just a little bit different. But by not nailing it, you're not going to be as effective as you could be. I find that fascinating that as a marketer, mm -hmm. uh, that's how I think about it first. What is the problem? Right. When we were chatting earlier um, beforehand, you threw around this word I've never heard of and I'm sure you probably heard it. You called it a user experience writer or a UX writer. Yeah, UX writing. And yeah. I guess that's what you're alluding to. Yeah, kind of. Well, I think... Whatever the area of copywriting is, it should all be you're telling a story and helping guide whoever's reading it through that process. Whether you're writing a kid's book or if you're writing an advertisement or if you're writing UX and product copy, it should always have, you should always have a goal of where they're going to go and you're just trying to help them along the way and make it as enjoyable as possible. So UX writing in particular, it's kind of evolved from what used to be considered technical writing, which would just be like your product notes or your release notes and stuff like that, which were pretty... You know, pretty flat, pretty boring. And then there's a couple companies that just started crushing it and making really great release notes and really great product copy. One of them is called Transit. It's a company of Montreal. And they do amazing, amazing things and just added so much personality to it. And I think it's a huge opportunity for people that for the longest time has been overlooked. Like, I don't know how many times you've looked at like a prototype or a dummy website and it's all just lorem ipsum. Right. It's like, how, how can the person actually understand the context of that if there's no copy in there? Um, the design can look great. It can be a beautiful product, but if then the copy goes in as an afterthought, rather than being a part of that design process, you know, it just isn't going to, it's not going to align very well. Right. Yeah. Like, I know this is whole drive in the consumer space mm -hmm. for like focusing on images and, and GIFs and, and yeah. videos yeah. and memes. But at the end of the day, like language and, and words and copy is yeah. 
best one of the best ways to communicate value and and educate and teach. yeah, I think so. And obviously, I'm biased to being the writer, but yeah, that's a big part of it. And it's the one thing that people can love an image or really, you know, a design can be stunning. And I am a huge fan of design. I grew up, my dad was a designer, so I've always had a soft spot for that, and I love it. I mean, I'm studying it right now, but. Copy is the thing that people can read and understand. Right. And that's the conversation. We keep talking about how everything should, nobody wants a one way dialogue, right? right? Like, that's the reason so many traditional ads are failing these days, is because people aren't into it. Mm. They go to social media, they want to see, they want a conversation with people. So I think UX is taking that same idea and just applying it in a static space. So rather than having a social media person, or in addition to having a social media person that monitors Twitter and Facebook and all those channels and is having dialogue with people, Make it feel that way in an area where you don't have a person. Mm. So whether it's every button people click on or an error message or a confirmation message, you know what I mean? Like MailChimp has done amazing stuff where they do the high five. And it's that little kind of thing where like, well, that's goofy. But it's also a great kind of, you know, it's confirmation for your user who Mm. goes, oh, cool, I did a thing. It's a little gold star, this little delightful experience that they get to have just for, for successfully doing the thing that they would have done otherwise. So it's those little tiny like micro copy and those little tiny moments that uh, that you can really nail and turn people into fans of your brand rather than just users. I find that's one of the things I I see with growth marketers or growth hackers. Yeah, is they try to hack the copy and try to yeah. And what I heard from you is authenticity and trust and dialogue is is yeah. the best kind of quote unquote hack. There is yeah. it's not about finding the right buzzword to say and you know, finding the right like magic words is yeah. getting across your, your personality. I mean, there definitely are those hacks that people have figured out. I mean, there's a reason BuzzFeed is the top everything for every red article in <laughs> right. the last decade, probably, or however long their reign has been. So there's certainly ways where you go, oh, this is what people like. We're going to run with it. But that's not that's not what you want. You don't no. want, you don't want clickbait. Like that's uh, yeah. It's like I guess it depends on your goal. I think that's one of the things I'm thinking about. It's like you, you have this this website that is, looks like shit. And then the copy's great, but you look back, you know, I've seen websites that look terrible, but their conversions or they're moving them down the yeah. process, the, the they work. user journey, they work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, you know, I guess it's a question of what are you trying to accomplish? Like, where, yeah. where are you trying to lead? For sure. What is the next step? Yeah. Again, I think copy is the same as design or development. I mean, it's part of a process, like you said, where you're trying to take them from point A to point B to point C to get them where they need to go. How you choose to do that? Is unique to every brand and every problem right. and every solution, but it should ultimately it should always be trying to serve that purpose of this needs to work. But it, it's not just a utilitarian kind of thing, right? Like it's got to feel like your brand. It's got to has to speak like you do and speak to the people rather mm-hmm. than just at them. So yeah, it's an important part of of the user journey. You know, how would you how would you do that? Like you just talked about how you should speak to them and not mm-hmm. at them. Like what are some things that you've tried to make sure that. You know, you're not speaking at them like yeah. a parent I think, or as an authoritarian like, <laughs> leader. Yeah, uh, I think a big part of it is you have to look, well, I think a big part of it, the same as like the UX research journey for design, it should be the same for copy. Mm, wow. Okay. We're trying to, you know, iterating on everything as much as possible. So rather than just jumping into A-B testing to see which button works better, let's kind of talk to people and figure out, for the stock trading company I worked at, we did a lot of this. And be like, well, what's the hesitation behind somebody who wants to trade stocks? Is it they don't feel confident in trading stocks? They don't trust online trading. They're unsure about their investment, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, well, if we find out that it's the they're not comfortable spending their money on stocks, they don't want to buy penny stocks on online for some company they don't really know all that well. 
it's building trust. You know, like that's the big thing there. So make your copy more aligned to that rather than them just going, well, I don't like spending money. It's like, well, that's a whole different thing than somebody trying to understand how that brand can, can help them best. You mentioned a little bit about asking a lot of questions, mm-hmm. talking about a lot mm-hmm. of people, and now you just talked about user experience research. Yeah. For my listeners uh, who don't know what user experience research is, yeah. what is that? What does it look like for you? And what is it and why yeah. should we do it? So user experience research, um, I mean, as much as I'm a novice in the area, this is my brief understanding of it, the design side. It's trying to find out, so if you're working on an app for Parks Canada and people don't understand how to book a site or they don't understand how to use the app or what the app is for, it's find out what they would expect that app to do. So find out how they would use it. Good jobs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So find out everything that it needs to do for the people. Obviously cut it back for your initial launch and be like, well, what does it have to do versus what would people like it to do? Mm. So really understanding what people expect to get out of it and how people would actually use it. So asking all those questions and doing user surveys and user interviews and just talking to the people that would actually use the damn thing. Because if you don't talk to them and you're making huge assumptions on their behalf, it's not going to go very well. I mean, Parks Canada is an example I use because it's the project that we worked on at Red, Red Academy. And a huge thing, I went in there with massive assumptions, you know. And luckily, throughout the user interview process and user surveying, almost all of them were broken apart. Mm. You know, like that was the best thing. It was so satisfying to go in with assumptions. And you have to be willing to have everything you assume just to be wrong. Uh, And that's part of the process is you find out what you thought was wrong. You learn new perspectives about how people expect it to work or how they expect it to function. And then through that, you get new perspectives, right? Like you learn about how people want things to, or what people want tools to do for them. Mm. Uh, And at that point, then you can start creating. Because I don't think you can do that. You can't create without with any sort of focus or success, really, if you don't understand who you're making it for. Mm. Otherwise, you're just making it for yourself and hoping right. that works and so hoping good. everybody thinks the same way as you. Right. And very rarely is that the case. And and applying that to copy, you yeah. know, like you're, I guess, the danger of not doing user research is mm. you're you think you're writing copy and you're writing it for yourself. Yes. And yeah. not necessarily to you know the the users of the yeah app. yeah yeah. So that's always a hard thing. I mean, it's incredibly difficult to step into somebody else's shoes and then write that way. Right. You know, but that's part of it. That's right. I think starting in advertising helped me a lot in that sense where it's like, all right, I got to write for 60 year old tourists and then I've got to go and write for 20 year old kids or 17 year old kids going to university for the first time. And then I've got to step and write for like 35 or 40 year old new parents who have of young kids that they just need to feed them or get them to eat these snacks. So it's like being able to step into those shoes was an, a huge preparation for working in tech mm. and writing in the UX space. It's just all about empathy, you know. That's such a big word, empathy. Yeah. How do you empathize when I guess you don't have a lot of time in, in the advertising space? Like your deadlines are tight. Yeah. Like, you know, you brands that you work with, like mm-hmm. Uber and um, yeah, I think Tourism Toronto is, is yeah, Tourism I mean. Toronto. We did so things like that. For. You have very tight timelines. How how do you do like user research? You just Google online and what? Yeah. Try to get yourself into their mind. Mind space. Yeah, just trying to figure out where they're at. I, I mean, you're you're very lucky in the advertising world because they'll typically provide you with briefs. Okay, and be like, this is who you're talking to. This is you know the age group or the demographic or whatever the you know whatever the stipulation is. And then from there, if they don't provide you enough insight, you can start researching the hell out of it and go online and tear those things apart and and find out. Trying to learn about those people. 
But I do think that through process, you start to learn this throughout a decade of writing. I've learned a little bit about a lot of different things. I'm sure it's the same for everybody. If you're in any area of marketing or design or anything where you're making something people have to interact with and engage with, you just get to know different things. So you can make, you have a bit of a head start every time you're starting something new. Right. It might not apply directly. You know, like if I did something for BMW, it might not directly apply to doing work for Toyota later on. Mm. But you've got a bit of an idea of how the, the auto industry works. So you have a little bit, a little head start about the mentality of somebody looking for a new car. Right. Obviously, somebody buying a BMW is different from somebody buying a Toyota. But, you know, you're, you're a little bit off. You know what I mean? So that helps a lot in terms of those super tight timelines. Nice. But yeah, Reddit is a huge support. <laughs> Honestly, man, like going through Just anytime think- I have to do like user researches. Or do research stuff and do surveys. Find a subreddit. Exactly. Cool. There's five subreddits for everything, if not more. And then there's also subreddits and you, dedicated. And you find people asking questions. Yeah, like, it, it's fantastic. Like, and even just going on Facebook. A lot of people think you shouldn't use your social network for user research because it's a lot of people like-minded like you. But if you have 500 people on Facebook, they're not all you. You know, yeah, My sure. 70-year-old uncle's on there. Right. And my 40-year-old cousin who lives out in right. the woods. Like. People are going to be there. My sister who lives on the other side of town, who she's in a different state right. than I am. And that's great because as much as I go, well, they're related to me or they're my good friends, you all have different experiences that led you up to wherever you are. So you're going to think about different things when you're answering the same questions. Right. So using your social network for, for user research is an enormous asset that I think a lot of people overlook because they don't want it to be biased. Do you just put up a survey on, on Facebook? Yeah, just Google Forms, man. Like cool. that or Typeform, whatever it is. Like there's so many right. free survey tools out there right. that throwing something together in two hours is so easy that timelines really don't become an issue. And I mean, if it, people, they're either going to answer it in the first two hours or they're never going to see it. So if you only have a two hour limit, put it up. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason not to. Right. When if timelines are an issue, there, there's still no reason you shouldn't do it. Yeah, so like the whole user research, you talked a little bit about that earlier about how you're trying to find out the problem they're solving, yeah. the, the jobs they're trying to do, the jobs to be done, mm-hmm. any pain points they have. Yeah, pain points are probably the biggest thing. Um, so going back to Parks Canada, since we've started with it, it was designing an, or developing an app for them. So Parks Canada currently is an app, but it's just information. You can't book anything through it. So the biggest pain point was obviously people going there trying to plan a trip and you couldn't do anything with it. So that was huge. And you make these assumptions about, well, maybe the only deciding factor when people want to camp is they don't want to drive more than two hours. You know, most people are in the city. They just want to go Mm. for a quick weekend away. Uh, And that was the thought I had going into it. And then everybody I spoke with, minus maybe 5% of people, like, I don't give a shit if it's four hours away. (laughs) I want to go camping. I want to have a great experience. I'm going to go with my friends or my family or my partner or go alone. And they're more about the experience once they're there rather than it being close. So my assumptions were completely shattered, which was a great thing. And then from there, you find their pain points are, they're not about the distance or getting there or finding a spot. It's about being able to find the right place. That mm-hmm. can, they can get three neighboring sites for their group of 20 friends. Or, I don't know, just being able to book it and pay online easily without a nightmare of a system that government of Canada uses right now. So it's, it's those things that you then work through and correct rather than the assumptions you had initially. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I think this sounds so much like what growth marketers do. Yeah, absolutely. UX designers is trying to be explicit about their assumptions. And through this research process, you, you try to validate or invalidate them. Yeah, it's it's huge. And my role at Crew was big in marketing. It's like half community, half marketing. And so with that, it was very much 
you know, coming up with these ideas and trying to validate cool. or invalidate them and exactly just what know gold, what worked. Exactly yeah. what gold people knew it is. Absolutely. I mean, that was it was a startup that was just trying to ramp up everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. They eventually sold to Dribble, nice. which is cool. So they did some things right. There was a lot that I learned there, which was amazing. Yeah. But a lot of it was that growth marketing kind of thing, nice. you know? So yeah, it's very much the same. It's just a different application of that yeah. information, you know? Let's talk about that. Like mm. once you've done research, you, you know the problem, the jobs yeah. to be done, the va- what they value, what their pain points are. Mm. How do you translate that into the beautiful, co- beautiful coffee? <laughs> beautiful coffee. Uh, well, that's always a hard thing too. And I find, like I mentioned before, we'll just see designs that have just nonsense copy or lorem ipsum or whatever. I think that's the problem is that copy is never thought about with design. Mm, copy wow. can only do so much without the design, but and the design can only do so much without the copy, right? Like they're very codependent, but copy is often thought of as this or not thought of. You right. know what I mean? It's very much like when people need a new website or a new app, right. they go, I can't develop anything. I don't know how to code. So I, I'll pay somebody to do that. I don't know how to use Adobe or Sketch or anything. So I'll, I'll pay a designer. But I've got Word or I have Google Docs, so I'll do the writing myself. And I think that's very common from my experience for people to think that way. And I get it. If you're in a small business, you're trying to save cash. 100%, I understand that. And I'm not saying you should figure out design and hire a copywriter because it's not at all the thing, not at all the case here. But I think copy is, is often the afterthought. Mm. So I think having, giving a, a copywriter the same input as a designer and having them work together like in the advertising world, that's how everything works. Is you have an art director and a copywriter that sit together all day long, come up with campaign ideas and do everything in tandem. Sure, you're going to have ideas independently, but you make it work together rather than going, here's all the designs, now hand it to a writer. The same way I wouldn't go into Word, write everything and hand it to a designer and say, figure it out. You know, like it's just, I think that's the process of, of beautiful copy. It's just, it's very thoughtful. It's empathetic, like we said, but it's done with the design. It's the two things are done in tandem. And I guess that's why you're you're researching UX design. Is mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw this word out there. I've never heard of it. It's called maybe it's trying to be a full stack copywriter. A full stack copywriter. Because <laughs> a full stack yeah. designer is somebody yeah, yeah. who can design and code. Full stack marketer is somebody you know market and code and yeah. skills. Yeah. Full stack copywriter is somebody who can copy and create yeah. copy and merge it with design. Yeah, I think it's for. I don't think anybody in whatever profession knows enough. Right. You might know enough to wow. get the job done, but you never know enough to do what's next. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't know enough. And so that was a big thing for me. Like I said, I've always been interested in design, something I've always appreciated and loved. But this was an opportunity that I've wanted to take for a while. I just finally bit the bullet and did it and made the time for it. Because I, I mean, everybody complains about we don't have enough time, but it's right. fuck off. <laughs> time to watch Stranger Things in a day. I know, right? You can, you can spend that time doing yeah. a bit of learning. Right. And I'm not shaming people for doing that. I watch Stranger Things in a day, <laughs> you know. But we right. all have time to make right. these things happen if you really want to do it. Yeah. And so for this design program, it was really, like you said, it was I wanted to better understand the design process right. so that I can take that into consideration when I'm writing right. or when I'm doing interviews and questionnaires and whatever, trying to figure out problems to write about. I want to be able to do the same thing on the design side. Right. And being in the content space, I hate when people think blogging is content marketing because it 100% isn't. It's one thing and it's nice right. and it can be effective, but you should use a different platform to tell the story. However the story is best told, that's what you should do. You know, if people want to learn about mortgages, 
they're probably not just going to read a blog, right? Like they want to go use a tool that you can put in your your information and goes, here's all the different mortgage options for you. Here's what all that stuff means. Here's how you can get it. So it's like give people information that's relevant to them in a way that's relevant to their situation. So I think that was a big reason with studying design now is learning how to make those tools rather than just going, well, I know how to write, so I'll write an article about it. Right. It's, well, now we can make a tool. You know, now we can do different things to try to connect with people in, in a way that's relevant, impactful for them. I know I don't want to get into any hacks, but do you have any uh, tips one of the things I can think of is like people just leave the button as submit. It's like one of my big gripes yeah. with websites. It's like, oh, submit. I'm like, yeah. They try to say sign up now or something else. I think your button, it should be finishing that step of your story. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, if your headline is the title of the book and then you have a couple paragraphs of body copy or bullet points or whatever it is, that should be your middle. And the button at the end should pay it off. You know what I mean? It shouldn't right. just be this static thing where we go, well, every button says sign up now or open an account or submit or whatever the thing is. It shouldn't be static. It should be relevant to the copy right. at hand. Because, I mean, like I've said a couple of times now, it's all about the storytelling. You're just doing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's a blog or an app or, I don't know, an ad, whatever it is, like everything should be relevant to one another. And so nothing should be left behind or, or considered perfect, I guess, and untouchable. Because none of it's untouchable and it can all be thrown away. It doesn't work, it should be thrown away. And you should find a new way to do it. Wow. So there's not like a consistent hack, I'd say, to say this is the best performing <laughs> text I've noticed. Because right. it genuinely changes for right. every situation based on whatever the headline is that we come to. Right. And whatever the product is that we're talking about or the service or just the information that we're talking about, your button should pay that off. So good. I think that's a better, better hack than <laughs> the one hit wonder you're actually giving like it's not very clickbaiting, but I think it works. Applicable, and yeah, really like uh, much better. <laughs> I I hope so. Yeah, it's gotten me this far, but who knows? This rug could get pulled out at any time. Nice. <laughs> For anybody who's trying to get into copywriting mm-hmm. or to advertising, what kind of tips would you have? For them? Maybe they're just studying university or college, yeah. or they're doing something else, or maybe they're a marketer like me. And for sure, actually, one of my goals for next year is is to improve my copywriting. And yeah. what would be your tips for me? I think for anybody who wants to get into any creative area, right. is start creating. Mm. Um, whatever the thing is, if you want to be, get better at writing, start writing and start reading. You know, right. There's some people who say stop consuming and just start creating and you'll work it out that way. But I'm a big supporter of the idea that, you, like I've said, you can't stop learning. You can never know enough. Mm. So if there's people whose writing style you admire and appreciate and you're really drawn into look at it with a more analytical approach and be, why does it speak to me? So what are specific phrasing that that writer uses? Or, you know, how they, do they use a lot of abrupt sentences? Do they start sentences with and or but? You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of like little things that you'll notice authors doing and writers doing and try to figure those out and break it down for yourself. And be like, okay, cool. Well, it's not to say, you know, pick apart a band's songs and then rewrite that same song. But if you're a musician, you listen to a hundred different bands and that influences your style, right. right? Like you can't learn to play guitar without ever having heard mm. a rock song. It just isn't going to happen. You know, right. the same way you're never going to design if you've never used an app or you've never used a website. You can't be a copywriter if you haven't read good copy and lots of it. So I think getting into copywriting or any area, just consume as much as you can. Sorry, not as much as you can, because you need to know when to go, okay, and start doing it yourself. And you should never be doing either of those kind of in isolation. 
It should just be practicing, practicing, practicing. Copywriting, luckily, is a very, there's no barrier to entry. You don't need to go pay 50 bucks a month for Adobe. You don't need to have, you know, whatever, go to school for computer science to learn how to code. You just need to go online and read Medium blogs or read whatever website you like and then start writing. Everybody's got free access to Google Docs yeah. or Notepad, whatever the thing is, or you have it on your phone. You don't need expensive things to, to get into it. It certainly takes a lot of practice and time to get really good at it to the point where you can have a huge range of clients and do a lot of really cool work. So it takes time like every other mm. skill or trade, but anybody can do it. It's just a process of, or it's a matter of going through that process and kicking your own ass and, <laughs> and going through it. You know what I mean? Like right. it sucks. Yeah. I've been going through that with this design stuff over the years right. that I've been trying it. And now formally with education, it's, it sucks a lot at the start, you know? <laughs> Looking back on the first ads I wrote, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> like I, th- I was going through a closet recently, throwing away old crap, and I found my like student portfolio, and I was embarrassed to show it to my girlfriend. I was like, I don't want you to see the work that I used to oh, do. Yes. Right. Um, but you know, that's a part of it: is right. make things that you think are great right now, right. and that you're really proud of to show the world. Nice. Eventually, you might think they're crap and be embarrassed and go through what I did two weeks ago. But it's part of it, you know. It's just keep writing. Keep reading things that you enjoy. Mm. If you want to learn about UX copy, obviously just Google UX copy. But then start looking and paying attention to the, the apps that you use, whether that's Google or Uber or you know Pinterest or whatever those things are, whatever the sites and the apps and everything you use, um, or even just look around. You know what I mean? Like you'll see street signs that are have horrible UX copy. Uh, <laughs> there's a classic example, right? Of like the door. If it's a push, it should have a plate. If it's yeah, a pull, it should have a handle. Right. There's examples of that everywhere with copy. Right. Uh, I think, like, if you look at the the no parking signs, when you'll they'll have like five of them stacked with different conditions. It's there's got to be better ways to communicate right. this. I think everywhere around us is examples of UX copy. It's just an, uh, taking the time and consideration to go look at that stuff and mm. and try to figure out a better way to do it. Nice. Yeah. So good. As I wrap up, I'd like to just give you some time for you to promote anything that you you know. Where can people find Rob Man? Like. If people want to know more about what you're doing and yeah. what you're all about, like where do you want to send my listeners to? Where do I want to send people? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Medium is my big, or not big, because I have very few things on it, but it's where I've been trying to put more time into personal writing and talking about myself and my process and my approach to not just work, but to life in general. I mean, I'm, my handle for everything across the board is I am Rob Man. So whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or nice. whatever, it's that. But also, you know, don't worry about looking at what other people are doing. Don't worry about what I've written or what I'm making. Just spend time focusing nice. on what people want to make themselves. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course, man. Thank it. you. Learned a lot. It's been great. Well, take care. Cool. You as well. Hey, thanks for listening in on this episode. One of the things that Rob said is a big part about writing remarkable copy is getting to the root of the problem. You can't solve the problem if you don't know what the problem is. I really liked how he connected copywriting with design and marketing, how it really starts with a cohesive, cross-functional work and team. Now, if you want a high-level outline and quotes from this episode, again, go to growthmarketing.today forward slash 025. If you have any feedback or questions, feel free to send me a short email at ramley at growthmarketing.today. Other than that, this is Ramley from Growth Marketing Today, and keep on growing.